Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is Tobias Rex, and this is the Sharks, Dinosaurs, and Mythical Creatures podcast coming at you right now. I have recently discovered on this website called audiojunkie.co that people have been commenting on my podcast. I have fans. Those of you who are commenting, keep it up. And somebody said that it's been a savior to them during this quarantine and that their son quietly listens to it. So, so whoever said that, I'm glad to be of assistance. For today's episode, I'm going to be answering a fan request. Two people whose internet names are cat 90 X and Music McLover have both requested that I do an episode on the T-Rex of the Deep, Mosasaurus. So if you two are listening to this right now, your prayer has been answered. So let's jump right in. Mosasaurus, meaning Lizard of the Mose River, is the type genus of the Mosasaurs, which were an extinct group of marine reptiles. The genus lived from about 82 to 66 million years ago during the late Cretaceous. The earliest fossils known to science were found as skulls in a chalk quarry near the Dutch city of Maastricht in the late 1700s, and they were initially thought to have been the bones of crocodiles or whales. One particular skull, uh, discovered at around 1780, and which was seized during the French Revolutionary Wars for its scientific value and transported to Paris, was famously nicknamed the Great Animal of Maastricht. In 1808, naturalist George Cuvier concluded that it belonged to a giant marine lizard with similarities to monitor lizards, but was otherwise unlike any animal known today. And this concept was revolutionary at the time, and it helped support the then-developing ideas of extinction. However, Cuvier did not designate a scientific name for the animal yet. And this task was completed by William Daniel Coneybear in 1822, when he named it Mosasaurus in reference to its origin in fossil deposits near the Mose River. The relationships between Mosasaurus and modern reptiles are controversial, and scientists continue to debate whether its closest living relatives are monitor lizards or snakes. Fossil evidence suggests that Mosasaurus inhabited much of the Atlantic Ocean and the seaways adjacent to it. Continents that have recovered Mosasaurus fossils include the Americas, Europe, Africa, Western Asia, and Antarctica. And this distribution encompassed a wide range of oceanic climates, such as tropical, subtropical, temperate, and subpolar. Mosasaurus was a common large predator in these oceans and a dominant genus at the top of the food chain. From an ecological standpoint, Mosasaurus probably had a profound impact in the structuring of marine ecosystems. Its arrival in some locations such as the Western Interior Seaway in North America has been marked with a complete turnover of assemblages and diversity. And Mosasaurus faced competition with other large Mosasaurus species such as Prognathodon and Tylosaurus, and they were able to coexist through a process called niche partitioning. And niche partitioning is the process in which two or more species uh, that would normally compete against one another use the environment in a different way that helps them coexist. And despite them being able to live together, it was not uncommon for them to have arguments, as an attack on Mosasaurus by Tylosaurus has been documented. And several discovered fossils illustrated deliberate attacks on Mosasaurus individuals by another of the same species. And this fighting likely took place in the form of snout grappling, similarly seen in crocodiles. So for those of you who have seen videos of crocodiles fighting, you know how they often grab each other's snouts and try and flip each other over? Well, Mosasaurus probably would have done the same thing. Traditional interpretations have estimated the maximum length of Mosasaurus to be up to 58 feet. 
and its skull, which was either broad or slender depending on the species, was equipped with robust jaws capable of swinging back and forth and strong muscles capable of powerful bites using dozens of large teeth designed for cutting prey. Its tail was long and it ended in a paddle-like fluke that bent downwards. And Mosasaurus was a predator that had excellent vision to compensate for its poor sense of smell and a high metabolic rate that suggests it was warm-blooded. And that's an adaptation that was found in other Mosasaurus, but was unique amongst them. The classification of Mosasaurus was historically problematic due to an unclear diagnosis of the type specimen. As a result, over 50 different species have been attributed to the genus in the past. And a re-diagnosis of the type specimen in 2017 helped resolve the taxonomy issue and confirmed at least five species to be within the genus, and another five still nominally classified within Mosasaurus are planned to be reassessed in a future study. So the current Mosasaurus species that we know are Mosasaurus hoffmanni, Missouriensis, Conodon, Lamonieri, Bugii, Makaroa, Hobetsuensis, and Prismaticus. And each species was variable with unique anatomical features differentiating them from the robustly built Mosasaurus hoffmanni to the slender and serpentine Mosasaurus lamonieri. The first remains of Mosasaurus known to science are fragments of a skull discovered in 1764 at a subterranean chalk quarry that was under Mount St. Peter, and that's a hill that was near Maastricht, the Netherlands. It was collected in 1766 and was procured in 1784 by museum director Martinus van Marum uh, for the Tyler's Museum at Harlem. In 1790, Van Marlum published a description of the fossil, considering it to be a species of big-breathing fish, or in other words, a whale, that was under the classification Pisces cetacei. And this skull is still in the museum's collections, and is catalogued as TM7424. And around 1780, a second, more complete skull was discovered at the same quarry. A retired Dutch army physician named Johan Leonard Hoffman took a keen interest in the specimen, who corresponded with the famous biologist Petrus Camper regarding its identification. Hoffman, who had previously collected mosasaur bones in 1770, presumed that the animal was a crocodile. And Camper disagreed, and in 1786 he concluded that the remains were from an unknown species of toothed whale. He published his studies of the fossil that year in the Philosophical Transactions of the Royal Society of London, which was considered to be the most prestigious scientific journal in the world at the time. And as a result, the second skull gained international fame. During this time, the fossil was under the possession of somebody who owned the portion of the land it was discovered in. And this guy was struck by its beauty and took every measure to, to conserve it, eventually displaying it inside a grotto behind his house. Before the second skull was seized by the French in late 1794, the, the two most popular hypotheses regarding its identification were that it represented the remains of either a crocodile or a whale, as first argued by Hoffman and Camper, respectively. Hoffman's identification of the crocodile was viewed by many at the time to be the most obvious answer. There were no widespread ideas of evolution or extinction at the time, and the skull superficially resembled that of a croc. Moreover, amongst the various mosasaur bones Hoffman collected in 1770 were phalanx bones, which he assembled and placed onto a gypsum matrix. Historians have noted that Hoffman placed the reconstruction into the matrix in a way that distorted the view of some of the parts, 
creating an illusion that claws are present, and Hoffman took that as further evidence of a crocodile. Camper's argument for a whale was based on the second skull's locality, features of the skull itself, and other mosasaur bones he obtained, and its anatomical similarities with living animals. First, Camper noted that the skull's jawbones had a smooth texture, and its teeth were solid at the root, similar to those in sperm whales. Second, he obtained mosasaur parts which he noted to be significantly different from those of crocodiles. Third, he noted the presence of teeth in the pterygoid bone of the skull, and which he observed are not present in crocodiles. Lastly, he pointed out that all fossils from Maastricht are marine fossils, and that indicates that the animal represented by the skull must have been a marine animal. Because he believed that crocodiles are entirely freshwater animals, Camper concluded by the process of elimination that the animal could only be a whale. A common method that is used to determine the total length of mosasaur individuals is by measuring the length of the skull or lower jaw, and that could then be used to yield the total length using a skull or lower jaw to body proportion. The most widely used proportion for Mosasaurus hoffmanni is one recorded by Dale Russell in 1967, and this equates the ratio between the lower jaw and the body being 1 to 10, and no rationale is given for this. When applying the ratio in the same study, Dale Russell yielded a total length of 41 feet using the largest reliable skull he could access. However, larger fossils are known, most notably a large Mosasaurus Hoffmanni lower jaw found in the Russian city of Penza in 1927. And when it was re-examined in a 2014 study, um, it was found to measure 67 inches in length, and that yielded a total length of approximately 17 meters. In 1995, Lingham Soliar applied Russell's proportions on a partial lower jaw measuring 35 inches, and that yielded a total length of 58 feet. The features of teeth in Mosasaurus vary across species, but characteristics that unify the genus are highly prismatic surfaces, two opposite cutting edges, and a design specialized for cutting prey. But Mosasaurus teeth are considered to be large and robust, with the exception of Mosasaurus conodon and lamonieri, and instead they have more slender teeth. The cutting edges of Mosasaurus' teeth can be serrated depending on the species. The cutting edges in Hoffmanni and Missouriensis are finely serrated, while Conodon and Lamarnieri lack serrations. The cutting edges in Mosasaurus bugii are neither serrated nor smooth, but instead they possess minute crenellations. And the number of prisms, or flat sides on a prismatic tooth circumference, in Mosasaurus teeth can slightly vary between tooth types and general patterns differ between the species. Mosasaurus Hoffmanni had two to three prisms on one side, and no prisms on the other. Mosasaurus Missouriensis had four to six prisms, and Lamonieri had eight to ten. Mosasaurus possessed a thecodont dentition, meaning that the roots of its teeth were deeply cemented within the jawbone. And Mosasaurus did not utilize permanent teeth and would constantly shed them like a modern shark would. And replacement teeth develop within the roots of the original tooth inside a resorption pit through, through an eight-stage process. The first stage is characterized by the mineralization of a small tooth crown developed elsewhere that descends into the resorption pit by the second stage. In the third stage, the developing crown firmly cements itself within the resorption pit and grows in size. By the fourth stage, it is the same size as the crown in the original tooth. Stages 5 and 6 are characterized by the development of the replacement tooth root. In stage 5, the root develops vertically, 
and in stage 6, the root expands in all directions. In the seventh stage, the original tooth is shed, and the now independent replacement tooth begins to anchor itself into the vacancy. In the eighth and final stage, the replacement tooth has grown to firmly anchor itself. The most complete skeleton of Mosasaurus, whose species level identification is debated, and is on display at the Museum of Geology in the South Dakota School of Mines and Technology um, under the catalog SDSM 452, has seven cervical vertebrae in the neck, 38 dorsal vertebrae in the back, and eight pegal vertebrae, and, and that's front tail vertebrae lacking chevrons, followed by 68 caudal vertebrae in the tail. All species of Mosasaurus have seven cervical vertebrae, but other vertebral counts can vary amongst them. Various partial skeletons of Conodon, Hoffmany, and Missouriensis tend to suggest that Conodon likely had up to 36 dorsal vertebrae and 9 pegal vertebrae. Mosasaurus Hoffmany had likely up to 32 thoracic vertebrae and 10 pegal vertebrae. Mosasaurus Missouriensis had around 33 dorsal vertebrae, 11 pegal vertebrae, and at least 79 caudal vertebrae. Mosasaurus lamonieri had the most vertebrae in the entire genus. 40 dorsal vertebrae, 22 pygal, and 90 caudal. Compared to other mosasaurs, the rib cages of mosasaurs are unusually deep, and they form an almost perfect semicircle, giving it a barrel-shaped chest. An extensive cartilage likely connected the ribs with the sternum, and that would have facilitated breathing movements and compression when in deeper waters. And the texture of the bones is virtually identical with that in modern whales, and this implies that Mosasaurus enjoyed a high range of aquatic adaptability and neutral buoyancy seen in cetaceans. And also like whales, Mosasaurus had to come to the surface to breathe air, and nobody really knows how they did it. And my father and I have two different theories on that. My theory on how Mosasaurus got itself oxygenated is that it stuck its face out of the water and opened and closed its mouth for brief seconds at a time, kind of like modern killer whales or dolphins do when interacting with humans on a boat or spy hopping, whereas my dad believes that they would blast moisture through their nostrils, like baleen and toothed whales do through their blowholes. But the only abnormality with that is that the spray would look strange, because instead of a jet of water going straight up like you'd see in a whale, you'd see two jets of water spraying out to the sides, forming a V-shape. And as soon as you see that with your own eyes, you might want to say, what the hell is that? But you got to be careful, because it might be too late if that were the case. The tail is bilobed and hypocircle, and this means that the tail vertebrae extend towards the lower lobe, and the centra of the tail vertebrae gradually shorten around the center of the tail and lengthen behind the center, suggesting rigidness around the tail center and excellent flexibility posterior to it. Like most advanced mosasaurs, uh, the tail bends slightly downwards as it approaches the center, but this bend is at a small degree with little offset from the body. Mosasaurus also had large hemal arches in the caudal vertebrae that bend near the middle of the tail, and that contrasts with the reduction of hemal, ar of hemal arches in other marine reptiles. These and other features support a large and paddle-like fluke in Mosasaurus's tail. The forelimbs of Mosasaurus are wide and robust. The scapula and humerus, aka funny bone, are fan-shaped and wider than they are tall. The radius and ulna are short, but the former is taller and larger than the latter. And the paddle is supported with five sets of finger-like digits, with the fifth being shorter and offset from the rest. The overall structure of the paddle is compressed and is well-suited for utilization for faster swimming.
In the hind limbs, the paddle is supported with four sets of digits. The ilium is rod-like and slender. In Mosasaurus missouriensis, it is around one to five times longer than the femur. The femur itself is about twice as long than it is wide, and it ends in a pair of distinct articular facets that meet at approximate angle of 120 degrees. And Mosasaurus swam using its tail, and the swimming style varied between species. Mosasaurus hoffmanni utilized a macro-like swimming style, while Mosasaurus lamonnieri was more serpentine and likely moved in a more eel-like fashion. And its elongated paddle-like limbs functioned as a hydrofoil for maneuvering the animal. The paddle's steering function was enhanced by large muscle attachment from the outwards facing side of the humerus to the radius and ulna, and an enhanced ability of pronation allowed by modified joints. However, the powerful forces resulting from utilization of the paddles may have sometimes resulted in bone damage, as evidenced by a Mosasaurus Hoffmanni ilium that had great separation damage from the bone's head to stem, likely caused by frequent shearing forces at the articulation joint. The tissue structure of Mosasaurus bones suggests that it had a metabolic rate which was much higher than modern relatives, and that its basal metabolic rate was between the leatherback sea turtle and the ichthyosaurs and the plesiosaurs. And in order to keep up with its high metabolic requirements, Mosasaurus was likely endothermic and maintained a constant temperature of warm blood independent of the external environment. There is no direct evidence specific to the genus, but studies on the biochemistry of related endothermic Mosasaur parts uh, concluded that endothermy was likely present in all of them. Endothermy would have given several advantages to Mosasaurus, such as increased stamina uh, when foraging large areas and pursuing prey. It may also have been a factor that allowed Mosasaurus to thrive in the subpolar climates of locations such as Antarctica, where ocean temperatures during the Maastrichtian had the lowest annual averages of about 4 to 5 degrees Celsius. While there is little knowledge of the feeding habits of Mosasaurus, paleontologists generally agree that it was likely an active predator that preyed on a variety of marine animals. And it is unlikely that Mosasaurus was a scavenger as it had a poor sense of smell. Mosasaurus was among the largest marine animals of its time, and with its large, robust, cutting teeth, scientists believe that larger members of the genus would have been able to handle virtually anything. Lingham Solier suggested that Mosasaurus had a rather savage feeding behavior, as demonstrated by large tooth marks on the scutes of the giant sea turtle called Allopleuron Hoffmanni. So Mosasaurus was a top predator, it was a very carnivorous animal, and it could have taken on or eaten anything it wanted to. Pretty much anything worth killing could have been on its menu. It could have eaten fish, squids, sharks, turtles, and even other mosasaurs if it didn't have a choice. And mosasaurus likely hunted near the ocean's surface um, as an ambush predator, using its two-dimensionally adapted eyes to more effectively spot and capture prey. Chemical and structural data in the fossils of mosasaurus lamonnieri and conodon suggests that they may have also hunted at deeper waters. Carbon isotope studies on fossils of multiple Mosasaurus Hoffmanni individuals have found extremely low values of Delta C13, and are the lowest in all Mosasaurs. There are several implications for Delta C13 levels in the feeding ecology of Mosasaurs. The relationship between Delta C13 levels in Mosasaurs and their trophic levels are negatively correlated. Mosasaurs with lower values tend to occupy higher levels, and one factor for this is dietary. A diet and prey with high lipid contents, such as sea turtles and other large marine reptiles, can lower the values. 
Now, here is the pop culture of this animal. Mosasaurus has been featured in the fourth and fifth films in the Jurassic Park series, Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Jurassic World's Mosasaurus retained many features of its original counterpart, and it also had a bite force of 13,000 pounds, one pound higher than T-Rex. And unlike the real Mosasaurus, this Mosasaurus had a frill running down its back, and it lacked a forked tongue, as well as lacked a large tail fluke. And her colors are mostly grayish blue with a creamy underbelly. Paul Leaw of Industrial Light and Magic, who sculpted the Mosasaurus's 3D model, used turtles, crocodiles, whales, and other animals he could find on the internet as references when creating its underbelly and back. And Industrial Light and Magic purposely made the Mosasaur in Jurassic World larger than its real-life counterpart to make it look big enough for the final fight with Indominus Rex. The voice of the Mosasaurus in Jurassic World was made by mixing walruses to give her weight and whales to make it obvious that she was a marine animal and not a land animal. And I think Mosasaurus would have sounded something similar to that in real life. In Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, the Mosasaurus is revealed to have escaped into the open ocean, so look out. In Jurassic World The Game, Mosasaurus is a legendary surface sea reptile. At first, it could only be seen swimming in the Jurassic World Lagoon without the player being able to interact with it, create it, or use it in the battle arena. And this was until September 30th, 2015, and that was when the Mosasaurus appeared. Since then, the shadow in the lagoon has disappeared until you get the Mosasaur. It was only available in either winning it in the Mosasaur's tournament, or win it by spinning the tournament wheel and landing on it, but it can now be obtained by either purchasing an aquatic card that has it, or winning an aquatic card pack that contains it from the arena. Mosasaurus will appear in the upcoming game Saurian, although the genus isn't found in Hell Creek, and that is a terrestrial deposit. Rather, it'll be an animal that is found far out to sea on the world map since South Dakota, which is where the game takes place, was near the western interior seaway during the Cretaceous. Mosasaurus also appears in the tie-in Lego game called Lego Jurassic World, where she can be unlocked as a playable prehistoric animal. In the game Hungry Shark Evolution, a Mosasaurus nicknamed Mr. Snappy is a playable character. Mosasaurus has appeared on the cartoon Dinosaur Train, one of the episodes in the first series of Primeval, and it is also featured in Ark Survival Evolved as a tameable marine monster. And Ark's Mosasaurus has plenty of uses, such as a warship. Mosasaurus has high health and damage, and that makes it useful in battle. The platform saddle also allows for cannons and siege weapons, and that allows for naval warfare. So if you want to take your tamed Mosasaurus into something like that, then you would want to level up its health and damage. The second role that it has is the aquatic tank. Having a base health equal to that of the Alpha Raptor, the Mosasaurus can take massive damage, and if you want to put that to the test, then you want to level up health. And the third role that it has is the oil rig. Due to the fact that the Mosasaurus can carry a large amount of weight, you can make it built for collecting enormous amounts of oil and converting it to gasoline. While it's not an ideal or recommended use, you can also use it for collecting crystal as well. So for that, you would want to level up weight, damage, and health. And the next role that it has is the Biotoxin Gatherer. 
and unlike most aquatic creatures, tamed mosasaurs do not attract arched jellyfish. And additionally, due to how group aggro mechanics work, other jellyfish won't turn against your mosasaurus if they are killed in a single attack. And this makes the mosasaurus an ideal creature for safely wiping out swarms of jellyfish and for gathering their biotoxin, as long as the damage dealt is high enough to kill them in one hit. And the next one that it has is transport. The platform saddle provides adequate room for transporting goods, such as medium to small sized dinosaurs and players. A mosasaurus's high base speed, combined with its weight stats, makes it ideal for traveling. And you can also add a platform saddle if, if, you want to take, if you want to take other players on the ride with you. An Arx Mosasaurus is much larger than any known Mosasaurus. The actual description in the game's dossier on it is correct, saying it's 50 feet, but the in-game Mosasaurus is a lot larger than 50 feet. And lastly, Arx Mosasaurus is also depicted as living strictly in the deep ocean, whereas the real creature spent more time at the surface. So, those of you art players out there, if you wish to have a big, scary marine animal to take to war with you, then Mosasaurus is what you want. Well, that's going to be it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to like and subscribe to my podcast. It comes out every two weeks. This is Tobias Rex saying Godspeed, and Jurassic World's Mosasaurus is going to sign off for us. The honor is all yours, big girl. <laughs>